You know, Randy, we spend all day long trying to please our customers. When's the last time a customer actually did anything for me? You mean, aside from buy your services, give you money, engage with your product? Exactly. None of this is about me. They just love my products. Sometimes I just want the customer to think about me one-tenth as much as I think about them. I'm just so customer-centric, it hurts. Um, Lily, I'm not sure that's what being customer-centric is actually all about, but luckily today we have someone joining us who can help. Dan Harris from CX Partners. They just did a big study on what makes organizations successful. And it turns out that being customer-centric is the key differentiator. Well, that's lucky. Imagine if it turned out the other way. I want to hear more about this. So let's get right into it. The Product Experience is brought to you by Mind the Product. Every week, we talk to the best product people from around the globe about how we can improve our practice and build products that people love. Visit mindtheproduct.com to catch up on past episodes and to discover an extensive library of great content and videos. Browse for free or become a Mind the Product member to unlock premium articles, unseen videos, AMAs, roundtables, discounts to our conferences around the world, training opportunities, and more. Mind the Product also offers free product tank meetups in more than 200 cities, and there's probably one near you. Hey, Dan, it's so great to have you here on the podcast today. So um, before we get stuck into our topic, it'd be great if you could give us a real quick intro into who you are and what you do and also kind of how you got there. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, really pleased to be here today. Um, so I uh, am a trained designer, interaction designer, service designer, increasingly organization design. I've been in the in the industry, digital industry, I, I, I guess, for about 20 years. Um, I've past 10 years, I've been building teams um, around uh, organization design, whole system, what I call whole system design, which is um, a mix of organization and um, systems thinking. And I'm also now the director of practice with CX Partners, and we run design and innovation projects with uh, lots of clients around the world, which I absolutely love. And I've uh, got a team who work on those projects and I really enjoy you know, working with teams and working with clients to improve how they deliver products and services to their customers. So yeah, that's me. Awesome. Great. Thanks for that. And so we're going to talk about customer centricity, but before we get stuck into the topic in detail just give us a real quick kind of overview over what that means from your perspective because you've been like living and breathing this um in the the work and the analysis that you've been doing um so yeah give us your kind of take on what that means sure well um customer centricity you know a, a, a lot of um people will have heard of it um it's been around for quite some time uh, it's certainly been bouncing around organisations as a, you know, as a as a real thing uh, for, for for some time. Um, our take on it really is that it's uh, it's actually about human centred design, um, and customers for us could be uh, customers that you serve through a product, 
Customers could be employees. Um, customers could be partners that you work with. So for us, customer-centered, um, customer-centeredness is about really bringing a, the human dimension um, to everything that you do in an organization. Um, it's about servant leadership. And I think this is one of the things that we found. It's about delivering great experiences to your partners and customers. Um, but to do that, you've got to have an environment in which your people can thrive and really deliver that great experience. So a lot of it actually is about, you know, what, what you could say is employee experience as well. Um, so the model that we use to measure um, customer centricity is based on five dimensions. And those dimensions cover a really broad uh, set of factors about how an organization um, performs around uh, you, you know, using its capabilities to deliver great experiences for customers. Um, those dimensions are uh, about people, process, governance, facilities, and communication. And you know, each each one of them represents. You know, you can imagine, uh, you know, everything to do with the environment around. Let's say uh, a product manager's work, and um, I think this is this is really something that we we discovered as we did the research was, you know, it's it's about the product manager experience. If you get the things in place for them, and you know, you have an environment that's really right for them, then they can do the best work and they can deliver really great experiences to customers. So, Dan, it, it sounds interesting. You're just talking, relaying all those five things back to to the product manager. I'm curious: is it the product manager's job to be the one who's customer centered, or is it everyone's job? Where do you stop with this? Uh, that's a great question. A, a, a lot of other maturity frameworks out there. Um, some of them focus on UX or design team maturity uh, or product team maturity. Our model is, is, is much broader than that. It's about the, the organizational uh, environment in which everyone from leadership down, from, you know, from team members and frontline staff up are uh, cared for and um, empowered to deliver the best experiences possible for customers. So whether is, is, is this for product managers Absolutely. Is this for their managers of product directors? Is this for the C-suite? Absolutely. Is it for call center agents, you know, support um, center uh, agents? Absolutely. Uh, I've got some great stories, actually, of how, you know, one of our participant organizations, you know, really, really brings all of those people together in, in, a, in an amazing way to, to focus around solving customer problems at the end of the day, that's what organizations are there to do. They're, they're there to solve those problems. And so we haven't really kind of touched on this yet, but like one of the kind of key reasons why we wanted to chat to you today is because of this report that you did around the level of maturity of different organizations in, um, in customer centricity. So tell us a little bit about the report. Um, who, who are you like doing the research with and um, and what kind of inspired the research? Yeah, thank you. Um, the, 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 the study came about 
as part of a partnership that we have with um, Google. I think we were both, you know, really interested in this question of, okay, we we talk about customer centricity, organisations try to do it. We know that there's something really important there, but there isn't really a standardised model. Um, there isn't way, a, really a way of measuring it. Um, it's very hard for teams to to know whether they're doing the right thing, you know, at a, at a broad level of customer centricity. And we saw examples of where it does, you know, it had worked out. We knew clients that we had worked with that, have, you know, just seemed to get it right. Um, but there was we needed to co- we needed to sort of codify that and find out well, what 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 is the pattern. So we we put this um, uh, this study together. It went out to uh, 100 organisations across Europe. Um, it was a sh- uh, reasonably short s- survey. I say short, there were 70 questions. But those questions were across those uh, five dimensions. And it really aimed to uncover uh, you know, a data that we could use um, to understand where there was a correlation between high maturity and customer centricity. And we wanted to really see if there's a correlation with that and business performance. Um, and my guess is uh, there is a high correlation. <laughs> <laughs> and those businesses that are more customer-centred did perform better. Yeah, um, you're <laughs> right. Uh, we were relieved to uh, find out that there, <laughs> there Can was you imagine if it was like, no, don't be customer-centred. You'll be much better. <laughs> yeah. be terrible. Forget it. Yeah, go back to the way you were um, <laughs> at ease. Um, no, we found we found some amazing uh, correlations. Actually, um, we found that those that were high maturity um, in customer centricity, they had ninety percent of their employees reported that they were highly satisfied with their work. Um, we found that. 65% of those highly mature organizations were able to make changes to their infrastructure and their product development uh, stack in a matter of uh, weeks or months. And, and I think this, is, this was the one that, that blew my mind, really. Um, and we compared that to 65% of low maturity organizations. It, it, t- it took them years to do the same work. So we're talking months or weeks versus years and i and and that blew my mind i don't Um, believe that for a second i don't (laughs) believe it took them years i don't think they ever did it (laughs) (laughs) they're they're still doing it um you know it's (laughs) (laughs) so okay so when we think about um customer centricity and and in in the kind of context of your study were you looking at more at the sort of larger, older organisations as opposed to sort of younger, smaller organisations? Yeah, we um, the, the, the way that we uh, sampled was very much around looking at what we saw as the biggest problem, actually, in customer centricity, um, which is that if you're a heritage um, organisation, been around for a long time, um, you know, you've, you, you've, you've got layers of technology, you've got layers of culture, layers of um, the way that things are supposed to be. And we knew that that represented a really interesting challenge uh, for, for, for this report, for this study and for those organisations. 
it, it you know we wanted to understand well if if we're if we're gonna do this we want to want it to work for everyone now that's not to say that you know the research isn't useful for smaller organizations or startups but it, it did you know the the feedback that we got the data we got was from organizations that were mostly uh, over 10 years old and they had large teams average size was 24,000 employees so they were you know big and they had um, you know a, a, a lot a lot of complexity and I think that's what, what we wanted to discover how in a in a world of complexity that these kinds of organizations have are they able to become customer centric so I bet everyone's dying to know um of the the kind of the businesses that you considered to have a high level of maturity in their customer centeredness like what were the things that you found were were kind of typical within that business and um we're going to talk about some of those now so mm. the the first one that we had on the list was having a design system which i thought was quite unusual actually i was like really that's like to, like kind of top of the well not not necessarily top of the list and not in priority order but um, you know, one of the, the yeah. things that really made a customer centered organization. So tell me about this one and, and like why you think it's an important factor in, in this study. Sure. The, um, well, it, the, what we actually found was, uh, it, it, it wasn't as prevalent at all as, as we thought, you know, design systems being, you know, really kind of useful actually for organizations to rapidly iterate and develop products. Um, but what we found was just 15% of our, our low uh, maturity organizations, low maturity in terms of customer centric uh, capability, only 15% of them were, had a, a, a design system operated one. And that, that was um, in contrast to 85% of highly mature organizations that had a design system. That you know, if if you think about high high performing organisations are highly, you know, we know there's a correlation to their high customer centricity and and high business performance. It's really clear that there's something about having um, a design system that really accelerates organisations' ability to solve customer problems as they uh, almost as they occur. And one one of the most high scoring organisations we spoke to. Um, actually, we, we spoke to sort of five uh, organisations that were highly performing um, in in our study, as well as this survey. And one of them really took took this idea of speed and solving problems and developing, and iterating to a different level. Um, uh, what we heard they they did they had a project where they put a developer with a support centre agent uh, and a copywriter, and they'd work together on uh, for a week at a time on listening to customer problems as they they were they were sent in or called in the developer would work on you know something that would help to automate a problem that could be automated um, which took time away from the this the agent spending you know time on something that could be automated and meant that they could spend time solving real problems and so you know that was just the way they operated so this idea of speed you know um creating uh real fixes for customer problems as fast as possible with the aid of you know a, a tool set that allows you to do that i.e design system um we've we found highly valuable 
to um, highly mature organizations. Dan, do you think that one is correlation or causation? As in, do you think that uh, companies that are already oriented this way are ones that are mature enough to have gotten to the point of implementing a design system that it's uh, that kind of thing? Or do you think the design system comes first and one of the emergent qualities is that you become more customer oriented? That's a, that's a great question. Um, what, what, what we do know is that the market is changing all the time. You know, customers' expectations are, 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 are rapidly um, moving ahead and those organisations that are able to keep up can, can be ahead and they can provide the right services for customers as they need them. Now, um, that might be the factor, actually, for that the organisations really care about. And they've just found that, well, in order to do that, they have to have the right tooling in place. They have to have, for example, a design system. They have to be able to, you know, speed up their ability to restore their infrastructure. They have to have modular, um, you know, infrastructure, microservices, etc., um, in order to do that. So... I believe what comes first is we're seeing these problems and we have to fix them. That's what highly mature organisations see. They see customer problems first. They don't actually see anything else. And it's an incredible, um, it's an incredible perspective to have. And it's very hard to get there. I suppose it's really interesting as well, like to your point at the beginning around being like, if your humans include your developers, and they're being slow, like their problem is, I need to know what, like, what button style this needs to be. <laughs> and so they need a design system, then, you know, the design system is the solution to the human centered problem within the product team. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Lily. All I heard from that one is that you're accusing developers of not being human. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I threw everybody off with that. You did. Let Dan respond. <laughs> yeah, I think um yeah, human-centered design is 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 applicable to all the humans. <laughs> and 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 especially I think in this situation all the humans that are in in your organization. And I think you know what 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 we found in the research was that those organizations that could really perform that are really responsive to their customers the 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 difference is how they set up their organizations mm. how they help their teams solve customer problems and in fact how they get out of the way to allow their teams to solve customer problems there's there's just some incredible stories that we heard um, from our our, our 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 little group of interviewees, actually from the highly performing uh, companies that we spoke to, um, and they talk about this idea of you know giving their teams freedom and responsibility to really you know not 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 have to ask for permission, but to work together um, and um, and deliver great value for customers. You know it, it, that's about um, managers nurturing those teams to do that it's not about managers giving instruction it's about huge amounts of conversation and collaboration it's all the things that we value about you know being human that's why it's human-centered design 
And I think there's a there's a there's a really interesting renaissance happening at the moment. We're moving out of this sort of post-industrial era where you know organizations are based on, around factory lines, production lines. And in fact, these organizations they told us, you know, you can't innovation doesn't happen in a production line. It happens through conversation and you know working in small groups together and it's just really exciting to to know that you know we we know that two-thirds of the organizations we surveyed are nowhere near at that level there's there's only 35 percent that are scoring at four or five on mm. on our maturity score that really tells tells you that there's so much at play here there's so much to do so it's just very very exciting time. Let's move on to the to, to the next principle, the next thing that can help. I think you alluded to it uh, at the beginning of the conversation, but also again just there, which was about governance. Uh, and one of the key principles there was uh, not letting your leadership make product decisions. So before we talk about how you do it, can we distinguish between what is a business decision and what is a product decision? Sure. I mean, um, you know, a, a product uh, a, a product has a roadmap. A product has a backlog. Um, it has a series of features. And what we found was that um, most of, I think, eighty five percent of our low maturity organisations said that product decisions were um, made by leadership, and in the same in the same survey, they reported that um, most of their uh, business decisions, um, certainly the ones that were around technology uh, or you know procurement or infrastructure, were or platforms were influenced by polit- po- politics or by uh, supplier relationships, and 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 this this contrasts uh, with just the amount of bottom up decision-making that happens uh, in highly mature organisations. Most of those organisations reported that um, their decisions were were based on qualitative insight uh, and and quantitative, in fact, a blend of all kinds of different research that would help them make those decisions. Business decisions for me, now that I've been through this study um, and, and, and and I've seen what's possible, and I've spoken to the highly mature organisations, business decisions are about how you structure the organisation to make sure that everyone can make great decisions. So business decisions can't be necessarily centralised anymore. They have to be part of what teams do and how they make decisions to solve customer problems. And if that isn't true for an organisation then that puts a bit of doubt in into um, you know whether they're actually risking investment they're not necessarily making decisions based on uh, what the customers are telling them what the market's telling them they're making decisions on something else and that something else is a scary place because we don't know what it is if we base it on customer insight then there's one source of the truth and in fact, that's what can destroy this idea of even having opinions that that, that lead to decisions or lead to, you know, really uh, toxic 
cultures as well. So we we know that there's there's this one place of truth that we can get to that can inform decisions in its customers, and and and, and our uh, our study really was all about how do you make that really easy? How do you make getting customers really close? How do you make it getting you know getting close to customers really easy? Uh, and and we know that you know making it easy is actually at the at the core of behavior change. And so, you know, that what what we looked at was, you know, the stri- the things that you can structurally put in place, the pra- pragmatic things that you can put in place to enable that to happen more easily. And that was at the core of of, of our white paper. So, is that um, what you, you talked about kind of practical ways in which you can enable your product teams to be making the decisions, and that it should be focused on customer problems and, and user research. So is that having a user research like embedded in the the team? That sort of sounds like what you're hinting at there. I, I, that, that, is a, that is a strategy that high performing organizations, highly mature organizations employ. Absolutely. They have product squads where they, uh, they have uh, highly strategic product managers uh, and highly strategic researchers. Um, they have experienced researchers that that know, you know, how to deliver really robust, highly validated insights. Now, that doesn't have to be where 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 you have to get to straight away. I, you know, there's there's a there's a scale here. What I would say is that teams can build build up to this, and they can start small, and they can start tomorrow. It's it's not hard to get into it, and and what. What one thing that we are advising uh, some some of our clients to do is to, you know, have a look at your teams, have a look at your product teams. You've probably got designers in those teams. You've probably got people, other or other people, might be product managers who have uh, a uh, have access to customers. And in fact, they might have done a little bit of testing, or they might have done some user research in the past. And it and it's about leveraging that skill and in fact taking it and looking at it and and just retuning it and making it you know bigger and, and more strategic and you know there is there are small things that teams can do you know get create prototypes get them tested get a get a sample of people together but focus on people that are going to give you critique not friendly users that's a big mistake this is this is meant to you know give you some really good challenge so that you're doing the right thing and you're and you're solving solving problems that that's how i'd advise teams to start okay we barely scratched the surface on this topic so come back next week for our first ever two part series and for the second part of our chat with Dan. Yeah, we kept talking about this topic for a long time because, you know, we just care so much about what our listeners want. That's how this customer centricity thing works, right? Uh, sure. Product Experience is the first and the best podcast from Mind the Product. Our hosts are me, Lily Smith, and me, Randy Silver.
Lou Ron Pratt is our producer and Luke Smith is our editor. Our theme music is from Hamburg-based band POW. That's P-A-U. Thanks to Arnie Kittler, who curates both Product Tank and MTP Engage in Hamburg, and who also plays bass in the band for letting us use their music. You can connect with your local product community via Product Tank, regular free meetups in over 200 cities worldwide. If there's not one near you, maybe you should think about starting one. To find out more, go to mindtheproduct.com forward slash product tank. <laughs>